right. Welcome back, listeners. I hope you're enjoying all the Halloween glory this month, including the tradition of watching Hocus Pocus for the 15th time, because it really is not a glorious morning without the appetizing smell of children's souls. (laughs) But anyway, to be on theme for the most wonderful time of the year, I would like to bring up an unsettling question for you all. So when was the last time you were ghosted? And what did it do to you? Regardless of whether the relationship was romantic or professional, I don't care. Think about that very moment where all the communications you once had with this person or even company just disappears and you have no idea why. What did that moment do to you? Do you still think about the person or even the employer that ghosted you? Do you still seek answers or closure on why it even happened? Or more specifically, why did it happen to you? These are all important questions that demand answers because absolutely anyone can be a victim of ghosting due to one person's fear and avoidance of having a hard conversation. One person's cowardice resulting a lifetime of psychological trauma to someone else, and it needs to stop. So listeners, I welcome you to a special two-part series called Corporate Horror and Trauma, where we unpack the consequences of ghosting employees and ways to have hard conversations with them with co-host MC and the return of speakers Josh Malden and Emmanuel Wiggins. This is Agile Disrupted. So Josh, I'm going to ask you this question to kick off this discussion. What is the first thing you think of when you hear ghosting or being ghosted? Just when someone stops talking to you altogether, no reason, no recourse. It's just you don't exist anymore. It's sort of like someone blocked you in real life. Yeah. And just how traumatic is it? Like, I guess when we think about conflict, it's like, ooh, I really don't want to have this conversation with that person. I don't want to argue. I don't want to do anything. I'm just going to click and just deactivate them from real life. Like, my God, that's so shitty. Like, just to the person that you've, you've talked to, apparently for a long period of time, and now they're gone. Like, you remove them from existence. There was a Black Mirror episode about this. It was called White Christmas, where someone oh basically got blocked in real life. Obviously. Very interesting. Very weird. Very Black Mirror. Very Black Mirror. Yeah. That sounds on point, actually. <laughs> I guess I'll say, whether it's a person or a company that's being ghosted, sometimes it's deserved. <laughs> it's kind of a controversial statement. Sometimes it's absolutely deserved. Like, I have a family member that I just don't talk to because he, he burned me and when I go back to Florida to visit folks, I will be like, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll come over when he's gone. Or if I'm there, he won't come over. So it, yeah. I don't know. It's it's very purposeful. So maybe, I don't know, maybe it's deserved in some regards. Is that really ghosting or is that avoidance, intentional avoidance? I mean... Which I think can be two different things mm-hmm. whenever they know that there's some unclear air there and there's a sense of closure whether it's closure that you agree to or not, there's this unsaid rule that, okay, we're not on the same page. So I just rather not be in your presence. And I think that's a tad bit different than being ghosted. There's that lack of closure and or the conversation of at least the opportunity to either rectify it or not. Yeah, agreed. Like it, it, it really is about cold closure. And you decided to have this relationship, like this mutual commitment was made that we're going to engage in some sort of, I guess, outcome, especially for employees. And there's a sense of trust that's been built over time. 
And then without an explanation of, hey, you're doing something that's actually creating a lot of conflict. Let's talk about it. You completely fast forward through that and just cut them off. You treat them as if they're like disposable pieces of tissue. You just use them and you just threw them away. So I think about that and, and it's traumatizing. Go ahead, Manny. So for me, ghosted means that at the blink of an eye, the behaviors of our norms for that relationship suddenly change without notice. I like that definition a lot. I, I don't know. I very much align with that, Manny. So think about like the dynamic of ghosting one person. One person makes a decision for you. You don't have a say at all. You become a victim in a sense because you are in a powerless situation where an event happened to you that you don't have any consent in. So when the person decides to ghost that person, it's almost selfish in a sense. Like up until now, like I've I've provided you trust. I've provided you consistency. I provide you accountability and reliability. And something may have happened. There was no conversation around it. You made the active decision to erase me without any conver conversation. So I bring that back to employees. So it's one thing if it happens personally, like this is something that Simon Sinek talks about. You like, let's say you have like a date with someone once or twice, That that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about ghosting in a sense where you've engaged with someone for four months at least, and you decide to ghost them. And the traumatizing part is the person is shattered and thinking, what happened? What did I do? are you okay? And the person is left in this distress thinking something happened to that person when they find out on social media that they're fine. And then that's where the trauma kicks in. What did I do to deserve this kind of treatment? So bring that to companies. You spent at, at least a year, maybe, hopefully, you have spent at least a year engaging with the same people every day, eight hours, 10 hours a day. And then suddenly you come home and your accounts are deactivated. What do you think happens to that person? I think I am normally a very reasonable person, but that might be the day of blind rage. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. That is a human reaction. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying that I'd go postal, but metaphorically speaking, I will do my best to burn down the forest. So, like, so everything's that, like, gonna burn. <laughs> that's not a very Hufflepuff thing to do there, MC. Such Hufflepuff. <laughs> that hurts. Um, so yeah. my question is, in this, in this scenario, does this scenario mean that when you got home, there wasn't necessarily an event that triggered that? Or was there an event, an ongoing event that gives you some type of inkling that, hey, things could or will be changing and the dynamic at my workplace? That's a fantastic question, Manny. And I'm pretty sure the person who got ghosted is asking the same damn question. And they just, they don't know. Was it a series of events? Was it one event? Was it something I said yesterday? Was it something I said last week? I don't know. That's the, that's the thought process of that person. And they, they don't get that closure. And that's what's horrible and cruel about ghosting your employees. You, you hire your employees through this heavy interview process. You build relationships with them. They build relationships with people in the company. And now they're, they've just been erased as if they never existed, as if they were disposed by the, the hiring people or whoever, whoever erased them and deactivated all of their accounts. All the time and energy that they built around this relationship building was gone in an instant. 
And so many emotions go through that. Like so many emotions come into play for that person. They feel betrayed. They feel disrespected. They, a lot of things. So I love that you bring up that question, Manny, because you like you just go back to the same question of why did this happen to me? What did I do? And you don't get an answer. I think in, in many situations, and I think this is just me being a realist here. In most situations, unless like the people in management doing the ghosting are just like absolute shitheads. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's going to be a situation where they felt that was the way to go. You know what I mean? Like, like you just got to be an outright terrible person to just say, you know what, Josh, it's Tuesday. Don't come back tomorrow. You're out. Like for no reason. Even that's a courtesy. Like just giving him a <laughs> heads up. Like just don't come back tomorrow. You know, My God. But, <laughs> but I, I kind of, you know, this whole conversation of ghosting and, and thinking through like what's the intent behind it? Why somebody would choose to, to go this route? To be honest, I think to me it comes back to, and I know we're going to talk about it later. It comes back to integrity and cowardice. They, they find, you know, corporate policies or reasons, excuses, whatever it may be to avoid having the very, very difficult conversation. So for example, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I worked <clears throat> with a reporter a long time ago, um, back when I was doing journalism and um, she wound up being fired. She just wasn't performing. I mean, it was very clear and apparent, right? But what was interesting is how leadership went about it. Instead of outright ghosting her, it was like every step of the way, they like over-documented how they had tried to help her not get mm -hmm. fired. Gave her chances. Exactly. And while, just to be frank, I, I didn't really respect that leadership group. I thought they handled that very well, whether that was their decision making or corporate saying, here's how to handle it so we don't get fired or sued. I just, I saw that as having like very high integrity and in handling that situation because it was, it was very clear and apparent from a culture personality perspective, this person just did not fit and they mm -hmm. weren't performing. So instead of just saying, it's Friday, today's your last day, um, it, it uh, dragged on for like two to three months, which I think caused other issues, like lack of trust and in, in, in belief in leadership. But it's just kind of the opposite end of the spectrum of ghosting, right? Where Because I think the, someone will make the decision to ghost because of just this lack of integrity and, and they're scared to have that difficult conversation. It is a really high cost conversation to have. And the outcome of it, like it doesn't really, if you look at it in just terms of like, what do you get for the effort? It doesn't mm -hmm. usually pay off for the company. It's obviously the right thing to do to have a conversation with someone. And I'm, I'm not trying to say that that's not, let me try that again. And I'm, <laughs> I'm not trying to say like ghosting is like the natural thing to do. It's, yeah. it's just, it happens just because people are scared of having conversations and don't really want to put themselves out there if they don't have to. But you should still do the right thing. One thing that I think a lot of people don't take an account for is that when you start building organic relationships beyond the work with your supervisor, or with your manager, so many times certain business decisions are viewed as personal. And so mm -hmm. I think that realistically, every employee, no matter what organization or company you go to, you should understand what are the HR policies? Like, I don't know if you guys have ever read like an actual employee handbook. Just FYI, I, I do that when I get hired on the companies. Like, I want to know the whole thing. I'm one of those people I too. The whole thing. <laughs> and so when I became in management at, uh, at, a, at a company before, one of the policies wa was you could not give referrals or references. 
no mm. matter what it was. They had, if an employee was leaving the organization or if you, or, if, you know, however they parted ways, you could not give a referral. And they, and if someone asked you, you had to give them an 800 number and all that number did was confirm their dates of hire. Mm. And so sometimes the ghosting may not be a personal thing to you, especially if you had a great relationship with your manager, it could literally be like, you know, they're doing their job, which is, you know, and I, and I don't want to take all the time but that that's another reason why i actually have a rule where i actually don't partake in happy hour events with my direct reports because toting that line of having to try to build a authentic relationship but being able to be objective when it comes to making decisions on the company's behalf then sometimes that could be perceived as taking a personal shot. Like, well, you knew I had this going on. Why would you let them do? But meanwhile, I'm just doing my job. I I'll pause there. I don't, you know, I, 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 I'm interested to hear where you guys are coming from, from that perspective, but just being on the management side and knowing that some companies' policies does have a lot of symptoms that could contribute or make it appear to be ghosting. It could be that manager or that person on that side is literally just following the rules because at the end of the day, self-preservation, they got a family to feed. They got things that they got to do. And so they have to do their job over the relationship. Yeah. I like that you bring that up, Manny, because we are going to talk about the HR and legal consequences of ghosting from both sides. I would like to unpack like kind of what MC brought in his story of how sometimes you give the employee time for behavior correction and course correction. And the person that's getting, uh, I guess, eventually deactivated from the company, in a sense, got a chance to have a conversation to course correct, to correct their behaviors. And that that's crucial. That kind of dismantles ghosting. Because you know what? You, do, you didn't get ghosted. You had many, many chances to correct your behavior. But when you don't have that conversation, let's say you're given the illusion that everything is fine. You're given the illusion that like your boss trusts you. You're, a lot of leadership trusts what you're saying. They like what you're delivering. They like your performance. And then suddenly you get a call maybe from your vendor or maybe from HR, de depending on if you're contract or full-time. You get a call that today's your last day. And your all your machines are going to be deactivated in a couple of hours. That's when like ghosting becomes this traumatic event that happens to a person because they were giving the the illusion or the assumption or even just the trust that they were per, they were doing well with the company and that they established that trust and that they would they would be given the courtesy of a conversation before that event happening. But go ahead, MC. You, I think I interrupted something you wanted to mention. No, uh, that was the that was the note I had written down there that I wanted to get into is right. There's there's a fine line. Of playing both sides but when we start digging into the corporate stuff i do want to discuss some specific stuff about treating employees differently based on their like employment status but we talk mm -hmm. about the these these traumatic um, the psychological trauma that people face with stuff like this like yeah i know i personally i think i do a fairly good job at like separating emotions from like business and work but like a lot of people don't do a good job at that they bring their true self um, is the best they can show at work, obviously, but they bring like their emotions and their true self to work all the time. And I think companies, and Manny, you alluded to it before with self-preservation, I think companies like disregard that a little too frequently because you do strike that relationship up with, with a manager um, and things like that. So that's where I think it, it 
I don't know. It's a really fine line because people have a difficult time separating, right, their personal beliefs and feelings. And then when it comes for a manager or the company just to make a business decision, it can feel like ghosting or it can feel like so much more worse than it really is. And the unfortunate side effect of that is it creates like very negative psychological situations for an individual based on, you know, what's happened to them outside of, of the workplace. So when we talk about trauma and trauma isn't always emotional, it could be physical too. And the thing is, the way I, I've seen trauma described, this is a definition that I like that was given by Peter Levine. So he says, trauma is anything that our system can't handle or process. It is not what happens to us or the event. It's what we hold inside in the absence of an empathetic witness. So there isn't anyone to witness the event that could potentially keep your assumptions, your biases in check. It happened to you by yourself and your response to that event and inability to process that event. That's where trauma responses happen. And with trauma, it could, I mean, it could be a very many things, but it goes through the same symptoms. You question your self-worth, you question your sense of self that goes from a physical and emotional level. You disassociate and you feel shameful. Like you feel ashamed of yourself. You judge yourself. Even Brene Brown talks about this too. Like when you feel betrayed, you judge yourself for feeling vulnerable to being betrayed because you trusted someone. So all those symptoms are the result of, again, of one act, one person's decision to not have a conversation with that person. Like I understand the motivation behind some companies and like they have policies in place to just kind of manage conflict in their own understanding. But when we unpack the very act of ghosting someone, whether it was profoundly motivated or it was just laziness and it was reckless, the act of ghosting someone, not giving them a conversation before they get cut off from all communications, that act alone does result in trauma, more or less. Yeah. And I think it's really important, and we may dig in more on this a little bit later, but it's really important to just make sure that nothing that happens is going to be a surprise. Like yeah. uh, both MC and Manny were saying earlier that you know you got to give people time. You got to let them like correct their behavior, and that's just it's a firm belief that I have. Like you just you have to tell people what's going on and the impact of not correcting it. And that's what's kind of that's what's interesting, right? Because like I started my career in Florida. It's a right to work state. I'm in North Carolina. It's a right to work state. They technic you know any organization, big small gas station, Fortune 100 company, they could fire you and give you no notice, and that's perfectly legal. But what you find is most organizations for for self-preservation of themselves, but also like to maintain relationship if they have contractors um, with those supplying vendors, they like jump through these like self-imposed hoops for one, one reason or the other to like maintain those relationships. Uh, and that's why it's kind of interesting because like this could be so much more cutthroat and there's really nothing anyone could do about it. So if we're in this type of situation, we're having conversations like this around ghosting and how that impacts people. It could be, I think people need to understand it could be so much worse and nothing could like get in the way of stopping that. That could, that's got to be like a huge drain on people's psychological safety. Like, oh, they ghosted this other guy. Wait, how do I know that I'm not going to be next? Why should I stay here? Exactly. Exactly. Trust is shattered, guys. Like, okay, so th this is where the hypocrisy comes into play. And I'm going to say this shit out loud. So the hypocrisy of a corporation trying to build a culture that has psychological safety, that has trust, that has transparency and all this jazz. And then you ghost the very employee you built a relationship with in the very end. 
where is the integrity in that? Where are you like, how are you not a hypocrite in that situation? So that's where like that results into like the traumatic effects of the person that's, that's the victim of being ghosted because they trusted the company and they trusted the relationship that they were building with the company. They were told that we were in this environment of psychological safety, but then they get treated the inverse. You know, I've actually stopped using the term psychological safety when I'm I'm speaking about what it's like to work at at my company or, or other companies, yeah. just because it's just become co-opted and it's just like a cool cor- corporate buzzword. Yeah. Um, and like, really, it's like, what does that mean? What does psychological safety mean? What are the boundaries? And, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Really, for me, I think what it goes to show you is the character of the folks that are supposed to be cultivating that culture. So it's like if we've built a culture and you said I have this transparency, I have all those great adjectives that you uh, (laughs) said, Tabby. But then you let one incident or one person and their feelings penetrate that culture and you react to it or the reaction to it is, let's say maybe, you know, you're getting fired or what have you and no one stands up Mm -hmm. and says, okay, well, did we do this, this and this? Then to me, then that nullifies the whole culture that nullifies everything that you've built. And as soon as you know, soon as that one leg is pulled out from underneath you, the whole foundation becomes wobbly. It, it takes a stool from a four legs to three. And and I don't know if they're not positioned right. Good luck trying to sit on it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I mean, <laughs> yes. What I, th- I think it's a little, I think it's a little bit more extreme than that, Manny. So I know when, when Tabby sent out all the information for us to look at, you know, there's Brene Brown's example of um, trust and, and being a jar of marbles. And you can drop the jar, pick up all the marbles and put the jar back together and glue it, super glue it. However, you put that glass back together. It's never going to be the same. It matters not what you do for as long as the marbles or in this example we're talking about here, the people are still there and remember that the jar was dropped. It will never, ever, ever go back to what it was before. And I think, you know, we talk about, you know, the different, um, you know, chain reactions of, of, of ghosting or just any behavior in that ballpark, you know, the consequences to the organization are like incredibly dire, especially when, you know, Tabby and Manny, what you were both talking about with when you have that culture of everything is being like um, psychological safety to use the, the buzzword again. Sorry, Josh. Um, <laughs> you know, you're right, Tabby, it is hypocritical, but like it, it erodes at the trust so deeply that there is I don't want to say zero, but like single digit percentage chance of trusting again. Yeah, I think it's it's well, let me start again. Sorry, I've got a lot of thoughts running in my head. So Ooh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to step out on a limb and I'm going to contradict Brene Brown. I think Ooh. that the example of the marble jar is too simplified because the way that we think of trust in this metaphor is that it's just this binary thing. It's broken or it's not broken, but it's really not about that. Trust is given in like degrees and it's very, it's much more nuanced. And Mm. so you have to break it down in terms of like, do I trust someone's abilities and do I trust their intentions? And what part of this trust has been damaged? Now, there are certainly situations where you can just straight up like nuke it, no coming back from it. There are definitely those extreme examples, but I think in everyday life, it's really a little bit more complicated. I like that you bring that up, Josh, because I remember in um, episode four when you talked about trust in season one, I actually got some feedback from a listener of that episode, and they said that 
the metaphor that Brene Brown gives on the jar of marble, it could come off as a little transactional. Like you get a marble, I get a marble. So, and that gave me some light to the uh, metaphor that she gave. And you're absolutely right. It is very nuanced. And when I think about trust, now that that's, that's given me awareness, um, a definition that I brought up for us to reference in this episode, trust is the feeling of being sure about something, even if it can't be proved. So think about that in in a sense, like you trust someone in making sure that they're not going to betray you. They making sure they're not going to burn you. You trust someone to be honest with you every single time. These are all examples of trust, right? But you don't know for sure. You're trusting them. You don't know for sure that they're not going to betray you. You don't know for sure that they're not going to ghost you in the end. It's still an uncertainty that you claim, but you trust that person to be reliable, to be accountable, to be the whole braving model that Brene Brown talks about. So trust in itself is still a level of uncertainty, but it is something that's that's exchanged between two people to handle that uncertainty between them. And I tell this to all of the folks that I work with, I can't promise that I will do everything that you want. Like things won't always go the way that you want them to, but I promise that I'll be transparent with you about it and share all of my reasoning about these things. The reason I bring that up is that sometimes I I think that people tie their trust to certain things that they want to happen. And when those things don't happen, Mm -hmm. uh, they, they get a little broken up about it. Well, I think that comes back to managing expectations. For sure. I think, I think that goes hand in hand with trust. Sometimes you get into a spot where like you want to help everyone and your plate gets too full. And then it's like, Hey, I got to go back and rework some of what's on my plate. And are you able to communicate with those people that you've made some commitments to and rework that expectation that in it, in it itself is another trust builder because now you're saying, Hey, I value our relationship so much. So that I want to come back and renegotiate what I've committed to because I don't want to fail you and lose your trust because I'm unable to deliver. And then the opposite of that is the Darth Vader effect where you're altering the deal and you pray that I'm not going to alter it further. Exactly. Like, okay, like, let's talk about the betrayal of Darth Vader, people. That's a great metaphor. So I like that you bring up managing expectations, Manny, because absolutely, we manage expectations multiple times a day with our teams, with our customers, with our managers. But bringing it back to, that's a conversation. Like, it's a conversation. You're having a conversation to manage those expectations. Without that, qualifies as ghosting. Like, you, you didn't you didn't give them a chance to, to correct, like, any conflict that you're seeing. Or um, let's say you have reoccurring conversations, and it's all positive. You have reoccurring conversations with your, with your manager or your boss, and you've been given the understanding that everything is fine. And then you get ghosted without a conversation. So it, there's also a sense of betrayal there too. Like I trusted you and you you told me these things that we're still in line, we're aligned. We have the same expectations of each other. We have the same outcomes. We have the same goals. And then suddenly we we don't, we're surprised. And we don't, we don't even get a chance to like correct it. I thought you and I had a relationship of full transparency. But again, that that's where we we showcase the ability to have the conversation, even if it's hard, because obviously hard conversations are not easy for anyone. It does require courage with your direct reports. And this is all under the assumption that the, the person that's being ghosted 
did not do one of the list of five or ten things that are like, yeah. hey, here we go. As soon as you do this, you're out of here. Because there are some instances, and I think MC hit on it earlier, that some people deserve ghosted, especially when the expectation is, hey, if you mess up this security thing and we get hacked, this is automatic, like, you're out of here. There is no correcting. Like, there, there's severe ramification for this negligence, right? Um, and then, yeah, in, in that case, it is warranted that... Okay, we have to part ways with you and sign R. So, so go ahead, go ahead. I was going to change topic. Go ahead, Josh. Okay, yeah, I've I've got one more thing on this topic. So, how much does someone's self awareness play into this? What if someone doesn't have the level of self awareness to know that the stakes are what they are, and so they think that they've been ghosted? When in all actuality, like you just missed it. I like that question though. That dynamic of well, I thought everything was going well, but I was wrong apparently. And then you just try to backtrack every single conversation, every like indication that you had everything was going well. And again, that that's a trauma response. I'm just going to call that out. When you question your self-worth and your self-awareness of the situation and you you don't, you, you can't process what happened to you. That's that's a trauma response. And then some, I mean, I'll be a realist. Sometimes some employees might claim they got ghosted and they realized they shouldn't have given away that password. Like, okay, like let's, let's not be dramatic about that. But um, I guess I'm speaking for the employees that were given the impression and given the expectation that everything was going well and they were performing very well, but then the manager's actions doesn't match what they said. And then they get ghosted without any explanation. And that, that stays with them for years. That stays with them until their next conversation with their next hiring manager. And it's horrible. But MC, go ahead. Yeah, no, I just, uh, a note that I wrote down earlier that I wanted us to get to is just kind of the corporate, the legal, the HR side of things. Because I know for me, a personal yes. passion is, is, you know, organizational building in agile environments and the, the crazy psychological nuances that are a part of it. But it's a very fine line, right? Especially talking about a manager like you, Manny, where you're like, you know what, we can build those personal relationships. But there are moments where I have to be so aware that I need to remove myself from a situation or not put myself in a situation. Because if I do have to fire you one day or reprimand you or write you up, whatever it may be, mm. um, it makes that conversation a tad bit easier. But the caveat to that. Um, because I, I, I respect you for making that decision, Manny, but at the same time, I also respect the manager who has the integrity to say, you know what, I'm going to put myself in that uncomfortable situation because I care that much to build the relationship. And when I need to have the difficult conversation, I'm still going to have the difficult conversation. So the, the, the caveat I put on all this is you cannot, as an organization, you cannot play both sides. You cannot be the buddy buddy, right? And talk to your direct reports as if you're not a manager, right? Whether it's, you know, sharing political dramas that are happening, you know, mm -hmm. building the very deeply personal relationship. And then when, when the shit hits the fan, you're like, well, these are the company policies, right? Um, I, I unfortunately had to sit in on, on a coworker being fired and it was the most uncomfortable conversation because it was so transactional and it was like, you've been spoken to about this situation. You haven't corrected it. We're letting go of you effective immediately. And like the person asked for explanations, but the manager like towed that corporate legalese line so closely that it was like, they just repeated the same thing over and over in different words. Yeah. They stopped being they a person. Yeah. Well, they just didn't answer the question, but, uh, and that's where, you know, companies, I think, are so cautious, right? We, we live, unfortunately, in a society 
where people are so quick to jump to a lawsuit because they feel like they've been wronged. And most organizations aren't going to fight it. They're just going to settle because they don't want the negative publicity. And yep. and it's just, it's it's this like snowballing effect of everyone is so aware of self-preservation that they like do the wrong things. So my, the big thing here though is like, and again, just to repeat it, you cannot play both sides. If you're going to be that you know, like Manny described himself and, and walk that line closely, but have the, the awareness to step back when you need to step back, do that. If you're going to step on the other side of the line, you're on that side of the line and your employees, you will erode that trust even further if you, you all of a sudden jump back and play the other side of the fence. So I agree and I kind of agree. I kind of don't agree. So uh, let me just clarify my stance. My stance is that I feel like you can still build trust and authentic relationships without partaking in certain events with your direct report. So the happy hour example is that's just something that I personally choose not to partake in because again, I've been in situations where not me personally, but I've seen where things can be misconstrued after a few drinks and then it spilled back over into the workplace and then it becomes this gray area thing. So for me, it's like, I still have your back. We still have trust, but I'll go have beers with my peers or with, you know, my bosses. Right. But at that level, we have a different self-awareness than sometimes you'll that direct reports will have oftentimes. And then secondly, when we say tote, tote the line it's you know some of it's for your protection because we all know when you step out of place and you go to a work after event have a couple beers the work stuff doesn't stop and so for your protection as a direct report you want to make sure that things aren't being said that could end up in like this rumor or gossip mill or anything like that and and so like for me I take that position or certain events, but that doesn't change my uh, leadership style and my open calendar policy and me having and asking you about your family and things of that nature from a genuine standpoint, but also just having boundaries saying like, hey, let's make sure that we can still stay professional and make some objective decisions. That's that's fair, but what I do want to add, you know, when we when we talk about how we're treating our employees and 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 things of that nature, you know, co-employment laws are such a big deal in the United States, right? So many companies have been sued because they violated these co-employment laws. However, um, in in the spirit of the conversation of ghosting, you can't knowingly violate right those policies and those laws in one conversation, and then to be frank rely on those policies and laws in a different context, right? That's what I'm talking about. So if you're going to cross that line at any point in time, understand that that line has been Absolutely. has been crossed. And mm -hmm. for most employees, that is now their frame of reference. Oh, wow. Like I've never worked, you know, you could be in a situation where you say, oh, wow, I've never worked at a company where I'm a contractor and they give me like personal feedback on how I can grow as an employee. Not supposed to do that. That violates co-employment laws. But then you can't then go and six months later, fire that person and say, yeah, you just didn't develop how we wanted you to. It's like, well, hold the hell up. You, that's fair. You can't. Yeah. And that's what that's the line that I'm talking about. You cannot play both sides okay. because if you do that. That feeds into the notion of, oh my God, I've been ghosted because before everything was all honky dory and now yeah. it's a problem. And and Agreed. that is where where trust gets eroded. Um, to go back to the Brene Brown example, 
trust gets eroded to the point where it'll never be the same again. I like that you you bring the dynamic of, I guess, the identities that managers play when it comes to preventing events that are very similar to ghosting. What You can have be a manager that establishes boundaries from the very beginning. That's kind of, I feel like that's kind of what Manuel was explaining. Like, I can have an authentic relationship with you, but these are some boundaries and we're not going to pass them only for my safety and yours. And then you, you could have a manager that challenges those boundaries because they... I don't know, they believe in you or they just have this this connection with you and they want to challenge outside the boundaries, outside of the corporate policies. And both things happen. But when I try to tie in a couple key important morals and principles when it comes to like really painful situations like these, like being ghosted. So corporations will talk about trust, right? And they will talk about transparency. So I want you all to compare ghosting to each of these definitions. Can you have trust and ghost someone if trust is the understanding of feeling like the feeling of being sure of something, even if it cannot be proved? Can you have courage and ghost someone if courage is the choice and willingness to confront agony, to to make the choice to have the hard conversation, but you still ghost someone? Or integrity. Integrity is the practice of being honest and showing a consistent and uncompromising adherence to strong moral and ethical principles and values, but still ghost someone. And then lastly, respect. We talk about respect so much in corporations and HR and in code of conduct and be and expected behaviors. Respect is literally to show consideration for the feelings, wishes, and rights of someone else, but then you ghost them. You violate all of those things. You violate integrity. You violate respect. You violate courage and trust. All of that goes out the window. Only because you the fear of having a conversation, of talking about course correction or behavior correction? Because why would you ghost them in the first place if there wasn't conflict? Yeah, I think absent an extreme circumstance, there's no world in which you ghost someone and you adhere to those principles. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know that you can have the other three without the respect. So, mm-hmm. you know, I that's like one of the first things you have when you build a relationship. There has to be some sort of mutual respect. So once you ghost me, all those other three, you know, the trust, the courage, the integrity, that's that's out the window. Like, you know, you, you didn't even respect me enough to have that conversation or that dialogue. Yeah. And just I had to take a moment to bring up these definitions because I know we exchange them in our conversations all the time. When I say I respect you, I show consideration for your feelings and, and your treatment. I show consideration for that. I may not like you. Yeah, well, you and I do not have good personalities, but I show consideration for your personality. I show consideration for how you will get treated. I think this really boils down to just like, how does a corporation see the people that work for it? I went on a rant about this not too long ago. You can't view people as resources. They're humans. And, you know, if you ghost people, it's kind of a tell that you probably view them as resources rather than humans. Absolutely. Yeah, that's been a um, a personal vendetta for me for a while. Uh, if I'm in an organization where they bring up, oh, we just need more resources. I, I write on a sticky, people do not equal resources with like the little exclamation point, like a developer writing code. And I just leave, yeah. it, in the, and leave it in the conference room and hope someone else sees it and looks into it. I want to back up one small step, though. So, Tabby, mm-hmm. when you were going through, you know, integrity, courage, respect, trust. There's a moment, though, and here's where maybe I'm a little naive, where like... Your integrity of like, you know, adhering to like human resources and rules can be in direct conflict with courage. You know what I mean? Like, 
maybe maybe Tabby, I want to tell you right. The we're firing you for these X Y Z reasons. But if my co-employment laws tell me I can't tell you that, do I then have the integrity to break the break the law or to follow the law and protect the company? So that's why I feel like these things will conflict with each other. And as a human being, you kind of have to make the decision where, you know, what side of history do I want to fall on here, right? Do I want to be the guy that flex the rules because I felt it was the right moral thing to do? Or do I just be a human being and operate in the self-preservation realm? And I think that's where everything, it gets real sticky because how do you uh, treat the person who's in that situation, right? Self-preservation for themselves, for their career, their family, or, you know, how they treated somebody else because they were quote unquote following the rules. It's a shitty situation. It depends on your corporate counsel. Yeah. And I mean, that's where like, I like you bring, I like that you bring that up MC because integrity talks about the moral aspect of it, not the political side. That honestly just screams politics to me, like corporate policies and corporate politics. And something that I like that Patrick Lencioni mentions in his book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, politics is when people choose their words and actions based on how they want others to react rather than based on what they really think. So that is politics, MC. Like that is them do, do like following their job, giving them like the, the the fine print of what conversation they can have. That's There's no integrity in just being political. You're just being political in that sense. The integrity is basically questioning your own moral principles. Do I have this conversation or not? Do I have it on corporate hour? Do I have it outside of corporate hour? What are my boundaries? And just awareness of maybe having that conversation, there's integrity in that too. But politics is different. Politics is where you say something to have others behave a certain way so that they don't find out what you really think. I definitely can see it from that perspective when it comes to how are people thinking. But look, organization is a machine. And Josh, you brought up the perfect example. Where does your corporate counsel stand on this? Because you could say it's playing politics, but I don't I don't know. I just look at it. It's self-preservation. Yeah, I don't look at it as politics either in this situation where you're firing someone. And, and that's where it gets it. That's why I say it's a very sticky situation, right? Because the definition, the rule and the, and the words say one thing, but in the exact situation, it doesn't necessarily apply the same way. And that's kind of where I'm like, mm, what do I do here? And, the, and, and what do I do here, right? Do I, do I again, toe the line or, or do I go to the other side? But this is where I, I go back to the, the clause I gave before. You cannot play both sides. You have to pick a side. Yep. And you have to run with that side. And at some point in time, you may have to shift back over and you need to have the courage, to use the words we're talking about, to say, this is why I am changing up my behavior. I'm deviating from my norm of what you expect to see from me, Josh, because X, Y, Z. But you can't just jump back and forth because that is where trust just flies out the window. And look, you know, we keep talking about organizations and stuff, you know, and and our people resources and whatnot. When those actions happen, it's like a ripple effect, right? It's taking that stone and throwing it in the lake and the rip, everything that it touches gets impacted in some way, shape or form. And I think that's where organizations kind of miss the boat. And you know what I mean? Like we're following the policies and the procedures, but when everyone can look at it and say, damn, you just did that person dirty. How, how, how does the organization look themselves in the mirror when, you know, you can't just say, yeah, but I'm just following the rules. And it's like. Well, the rule but they're following the rules situation. in their favor, though. Uh, so the the situation that you described, MC, I I honestly don't consider that ghosting. Like you, 
from the very beginning, you manage expectations that this is very much a possibility in the future, in the beginning, that we have a policy. We don't tell you why. If you get let go, you manage that expectation from the beginning, but you don't start building a relationship with them, not setting that expectation and then ghosting them and using the corporate policies in your favor. That's that's betrayal. Like in a sense, you weren't well, honest with them. That's a double standard. Exactly. That's a double standard. I'm going to use these policies when it's in our favor. Yeah. You know, that, and that's again, that goes back to what I was saying. You can't play both sides. You can't use the policies yep. sometimes and not other times. Stick to the stick to it. Or don't stick to it. Like, but if mm-hmm. you don't stick to it, you're going to be in a situation, like I just said, that trust will, will erode and it'll infect the entire organization because Manny's going to see it and he's going to be like, yo, Josh, did you hear what happened to such and such such? And then Josh is yeah. going to, and, and it just, it feeds around. And the next thing you know, unless something drastic happens from the organizational perspective, the trust is completely gone and you just see people dropping like flies. Yeah. And I love that you bring that up. It just doesn't happen to one person. It happens to everybody. Every person that reports that manager, you think they're not going to know how, like how you treated that person that you ghosted them. You think like that we don't all talk. So that's the thing. Like some of the consequences of ghosting your employees is like the lasting impact of that corporation's reputation. You just set an example of how you could potentially treat your future employees that you're about to hire. Well, not even just that, the ramification or the, you know, the bystander effect of the impact of that person that they had on the organization and all the other relationships. They are now an innocent bystander of that because work wasn't just siloed. That person probably were intertwined with a bunch of different people. people, Mm -hmm. And now that betrayal impacts the it other does. people as well it it fundamentally changes the it culture does. and it's never going to be the same again that's that's a horrible part of like as soon as the like the act has happened and the event has happened trust is never the same culture is never the same because something that um simon senek talks about in one of his um in one of his talks is he likes to perceive culture as values plus behaviors so values as in the verb not the noun Like honesty isn't a value. I will be honest with you and transparent with you. That's a value. So when you think about that aspect in culture and you violated that by doing the opposite of what you considered a value, culture is forever changed. It's it's forever broken apart. And the, the people create the culture, right? Like we talked about resources versus people. The people create the culture. Resources don't. And people aren't resources. I mean, we talk about this all the time. People are meant to be appreciated, acknowledged, recognized, not used like a disposable Kleenex. And to even take that further, the behaviors create the values. You can say and write down these exactly. are the company's five core yeah. values, but your behaviors will show people what your values truly are. And in a lot of organizations, the behaviors wind up being self, will put self-preservation above all. Yeah. Um, and that and that is what creates that conflict of well, hold up, this person got an opportunity over there, and you know I've worked at an organization where where some behaviors were directly conflicting with the core values, and it was specifically around just equitable employment opportunities. You had a, a bunch of women on one side of the house that weren't getting opportunities, yep. and a bunch of dudes, dudes that you know had buddy buddy relationship with management, kept getting hired and kept getting promoted. And the behaviors created a situation where the culture became, uh, okay, we're, you know, we're, uh, um, what was the, someone put like an anonymous review on Glassdoor and basically said it was like a frat bro uh, fraternity culture mm. at this, you know, tech startup type organization. And 
in some regards, I will give leadership um, some kudos to how they addressed yeah. it because, inst- you know, they took action. They didn't just like send out an email and stuff like that. They did very explicit things, including sending everyone in leadership to training and telling everyone we're going to do this and here's what our outcome and we're going to talk to you about what we learned from it as opposed to saying, you know, like just the standard Oh well, you're going to go to training, and, and, and then that's they, it. everyone just yeah. hopes, you know. Josh, Josh said a thing in, in the in the in, in the by the water cooler, and now he's got to go to sensitivity. Oh training. no, no, it's called emotional um, intelligence. He has to go to EQ training. Like the <laughs> hell? Like okay, so yeah. I love that you bring that up, MC, because I mean, it, it always goes back to like tr- like acknowledging people as people, right? Like okay, so let's think about some of the things that you take away from a person when you ghost them because you avoided that one conversation. You took away their ability to trust future hiring managers because they're going to have to get rehired someday. You took away their ability to have an exit that they wanted to have a say in. Like if they knew they were getting fired, they probably wouldn't have wanted to have a conversation on a high note before they left. Maybe they they want their ability to post maybe on LinkedIn or wherever, like this thank you note that they left the company and they enjoyed all the time that they had with the company and all the people they had relationships with. You took that from them too. So you think about all the things that you take away from a person when you ghost them without a conversation. That peace of mind, that closure, like just think about how important closure is for the human human being, the human being that overthinks most situations, the human being that's trying to do a good job and improve as a person. I bring that up because there's personal consequences that come out of ghosting people too. There's corporate, there's HR, there's psychological trauma, yes, but there's also personal consequences that you you strip from your employees. And it's it's horrible. It's a it's an unnecessary cruelty. All you had to do is have one conversation. And I know it sounds like I'm going on my soapbox. Your ability to have the skill to have a hard conversation can easily be rectified. And you save that cruelty from that person. You save that trauma that lives with them after they leave you, after they leave the company. Go ahead. And that that goes both ways as well, though. It doesn't happen often, but I've seen where employees have yeah, ghosted organizations. There you go. And that's harmful to the organization, too. Well, and that's extremely traumatic. Again, going back to innocent bystanders of everyone that you were connected with there, and then you just ghost and... Yeah, so that can be traumatic on the organization as Agreed. well. So I know we've been beating up organizations. <laughs> it goes but, both ways, yes. You know, <laughs> that does happen and it's actually increasing. Um, I was reading an article, it's actually increasing over the past decade. But I also want to touch about uh, mm-hmm. a story I read that's aligned with this. Um, and I'm just going to give the brief synopsis of it. This lady was working for this for this organization and she made a $1.5 million mistake, realized it, walked into the CEO and was like, here's my resignation. This is the mistake I've made. Yeah. Da, 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 da. And the outcome of that was he goes, yeah, we caught it. We understand it. And ripped up her resignation and said, I just invested 1.5 million into you. Wow. <laughs> so that w- I wanted to yeah. bring that up because that was very, very powerful to mm-hmm. me, like reading that, like his, his trust in that that was a mistake and her ability to to, to acknowledge and yep. hold herself accountable for the mistake. He thought it was worth one point five. Absolutely. And like she she had a choice to make. She she had a choice to hold herself accountable and be transparent, be transparent about that accountability versus just making her exit and just ghosting 
the company. And honestly, guys, we are the choices that we make. We live with our choices, whether it's forced against us or not. Like, yeah, sure, it's easy to have integrity, courage, trust, and respect when things are easy and fine and hunky-dory, like MC says. It's when we're tested and cornered in really hard situations that define our choices, that define integrity and courage and all those things. We, we think about that and like choose wisely, like make an informed decision to have a conversation. Do not treat someone as if you don't want to be treated yourself. Golden rule. And I'll, I'll make one more question before we wrap up because we, we've had a very long, strenuous session <laughs> on coasting. When it comes to the employees that we hire and, the, and ourselves as employees, do we fundamentally believe that we're making a difference in the company or are we being hired for a service? And how does that impact our response to being ghosted? My thought process, I'm at a point in my career where I believe if you're hiring me, it's not just to perform a service. It's to bring the other baggage of shit that I've experienced to help your organization take a step forward. Um, That's my stance. That's part of the conversation that I have when I take a gig. But when your actions lead me to believe otherwise... That is when I I take a small step back and say, you know what, I'm going to fall back and I'm going to handle the services side of things. And I will be incredibly selective on where I extend myself to push into that organization, because I did this with a bank uh, a couple of years ago. And, you know, I thought I thought it was like, we really want to change this time. And a couple months into it, I found out it was more of a uh, they were bringing me in to to check a box, uh, a legal, a legal box. Um, And I was like, you know what? I'm good. Like you're not, y'all not, y'all not gonna use me. And um, I, I didn't ghost. <laughs> I gave two weeks awareness. Notice. Um, right. I gave two weeks notice, but I was very transparent and say, you know what? I don't, I don't feel this is a trusting uh, environment, and trust is very important to me. And if I can't trust you, I'm not gonna work for you. Um, so I'll go take less money and go work somewhere else where I think I can trust the people, and I'm gonna be able to to bring more than just a service. I think in in all actuality, though. Your first six months at a new place, it is just a service. It has to be like, and it goes both ways. It have to be, it has to be earned. So I'm of the mind frame of when I start somewhere, it is a service until it is built and earned. Until I've earned your trust, you've earned my trust. So I've have the courage to mm-hmm. go out on a limb for you, and and then give you trust, and then I can now act in an integrity moment because I've have all of those things, and I'm like standing up. And it, it just doesn't happen overnight. Like, okay, your start date is on Monday and then mm-hmm. you have all those things. So I think there's levels to it. And I think that when you first start out, it is a mutually exchanging of here's some money for what you do best. And then after a while, um, they see things in you and you see things in the organization, that's when the culture and you start kind of opening and being more vulnerable and things of that nature. So I would say there's, it's a bit of both. And then how it how you both respond during that first six month period or three month period, whatever the period is for people, because everyone has a different kind of like time frame. then that's how you know what that culture is. Yeah, there's definitely time for you to understand the company that you're coming yeah. into. You you want to come in, you want to understand, you want to contribute just to get the uh, lay of the land, as, uh, as they say. And then you can start with the other experiences that you have and like, oh, I noticed that we're doing this. I wonder if we did this other thing 
if it might bring even better results. It's like that carries a lot more weight six months in than like six hours in. Definitely. I like both what you, Manny, and honestly, everyone on this call, like all the answers that you guys gave because you're trying to establish boundaries in the first couple of months. Can I step here? Okay, cool. It looks like I'm not going to sink here. Can I step here? Oh, that was bad. Not going back there. So you're testing out the waters. You're trying to form those relationships. And yeah, it's going to be scary and new. Like, I don't know what person enjoys starting over at a new company every six months. Not not many people, but... I feel like you're talking about consultants. Yes, I, I was. Because <laughs> that's basically what happens. But a person who's trying to be an asset, be an investment to the company long-term, obviously doesn't enjoy like shifting companies frequently. But the point I'm making is the period of ghosting and your response to it. If you were given the expectation from the very beginning, hey, this is this is going to be a very professional relationship. We hired you for a service. This is your end date. Cool. Like there's nothing there's nothing toxic about that clarification from the very beginning because you're aware. There's no surprises. You know this project or this client is going to end in 6 months and you're just going to make the most of it. But when it comes to I guess, a long-term commitment as an active employee, as an active contributor to a company, and you're being told and given the expectation, we want to build culture, we want to build that transparency. These are your boundaries. This is how far you can go. Or the sky's the limit. You can go as far as you want. That's also not a surprise. That's the expectation that you were given from the beginning. So in the beginning, though, when you first start a company, yeah, you're getting the lay of the land, just like you said, Josh. Like even when it comes to dating, like I guess in proportions, like maybe the first two dates, like you're just kind of like testing them out. And and Simon Sinek talks about this too. Like, yeah, like you're going to ghost someone after the second date. And it's just, it's a weird, weird date. Like you never want to see them again. But if you're with someone long-term, like let's say six months in a relationship, that's a much shorter proportion to obviously corporations and you ghost them, they're going to be worried what happened to you. They see you on social media and you're fine. And it's, it's a traumatizing effect. So I guess in the magnitude of personal relationships and corporate relationships. You just got to understand what is the boundaries of building that relationship in the beginning and have you established, I guess, enough trust to have an appropriate response to being ghosted? You know, I I think that there's like one solid piece of advice to be had from this. And it's that if you don't set the boundaries, they're going to get set for you. And if you're not setting them, you're setting yourself up for some really weird, uncomfortable situations. Agreed. So I I appreciate Manny's stance on like, here are the things I'm going to do with the people who report to me. I'm not going to go do these other things. I think that's incredibly smart. Well said. All right. Well, said. well, we are at time, everyone. This was a very well-formed conversation. I feel like we had so many like seeds in this conversation, but we are going to continue it with part two. So listeners... Thank you for joining today's episode, Ghosted, as part one of Agile Disrupted's special series on corporate horror and trauma. Stay tuned for part two, where we talk about having hard conversations again with both Manny and Josh. So thank you again, Josh. Thank you. And thank you again, Manny. What? Wait, you're going to have me back? We might have to have a hard conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. All right. I want to have a hard conversation about this because we did not make one Macho Man reference. Not not one time did we say, oh, yeah, except for this. Well, we we, we keep bringing you two back because the cream will rise to the Okay, top. I'm going to cut it off like right here. Don't know that yep. Macho yep. Man yep. reference. Well, we we are good. Macho Man, Macho <laughs> Women, too. Okay, I'm the only female in this group. All right. Until then, Agile Disruption. <laughs>